0: Is Scoreline Extra, the KCLR podcast that try and condenses some of the interviews that we have on our weekend show on KCLR, Scoreline? Over the course of the weekend, we conducted interviews with a vast different array of people. From GEA, soccer, boxing, you name it, we've talked about it. On this episode, you'll hear from Ollie O'Neill, father of Olympian Darren O'Neill, about the lay of the land at local boxing level and the retirement of Carl Frampton. Kilnadima Leitrim PRO John Geraghty joins us talking about the new World Skills Challenge that they have going on, which includes the Walshes of Tolerone. Speaking of Walsh's, James Walsh of Evergreen FC talked to us on plans for a second Astro pitch for the City Club. Carlo under-20 manager Paddo Flynn was on with us about a call-out that they have to all Kilkenny minor clubs. But first up, here's Ollie Turner, head of sport at Galway Bay FM, about his new book, Galway, Game of My Life.
1: More often than not and I'm sure this goes for some Kilkenny guys as well as Gawler fellows. you don't get to pick the perfect ending for your career. Somewhere along the line, a manager, and in Kilkenny's case, it's mostly Cody, would tell you, your time is up. And they get to tell that story as well about how their careers um, finished up
0: yeah we, we I just I was sitting in an interview with Peter Chapclare there yesterday for a Clash Act podcast and he was just detailing that uh, call it's a very enlightening experience getting to because obviously often you see him on telly and as you said there's heroic status that comes with it but at the end of the day these are just guys that have have just done tremendous effort and work to be part and represent their county it's a it's a great thing to hear and then juxtapose that then to getting the call saying that they won't get the opportunity to do that again it's a it, I'm looking forward to Reading the book and, and and seeing these different perspectives, you've you've obviously got multiple All Ireland winners on board: Joe Connolly, um, uh, Jerry McInerney, his his, his son, Groy. Uh, for all those Arl- Ireland winners, was it the All Ireland final successes that came up, more often than not, or as you said, the semi-finals? Yeah. Like, was there? Did you find that? I think of
1: what it was now, because when you if, how you said to yourself, how do you put this book together? How did you get these lands? Did anybody say no to you? And it was yes to the last question. and There was one or two that just didn't get back, and that's going to be the same way in Kilkinny. You'd expect to see certain high-profile names, and you may not in the book, because some fellas just don't want to do it. And and there's others that just were chomping at the bit. And I definitely got that sense with a couple of guys, that they were bursting to tell their story. And that came out in the context of, you know, me going to certain fellas to say, right, you pick whatever game you want. And the other side of the book then, putting it together, was me picking out matches, and then going to try and get fellas to, to, to match up with that result. So in other words, the 1980 All-Ireland Hurling final had to be in the book, even if nobody picked it. So it was a case of, OK, let me give the first twist to the guy who was man of the match in that game, and that was Mike Keneally, the Galway goalkeeper. And he ended up having an unbelievable story to tell about how he was nearly crippled with the back injury the following year in the All-Ireland semi-final, that was the last game he ever played. Uh, he ended up then going on and taken over his local club Sarsfields in managing, and they came from nowhere, from junior uh, in the in the seventies to being all Ireland club champions back to back in the early nineties with one of the great teams. You remember Joe Cooney, Hopper, McGrath, all those fellas. So Mike Emili's story just morphed into. I was kind of sorry at the end of it. Geez, there's a there's a full book on you, Mike alone, and here we are trying to cram it all into seven or eight pages. So sometimes these stories took on a life of their own. There were other fellas I went to, like Michael Coleman, another legendary Galway hurler from those All-Ireland wins in 87-88. was dropped off the panel in 87, and you mentioned Jerry McInerney. His match was the 87 All-Ireland final, where Galway beat Kilkenny in uh, a very wet and wintry Coke Park, won 12-9 points. He got mad at the match that day. But Coleman was watching that game up on Hill 16, and to think that 12 months later, he was their star man at midfield when they regained the all Ireland, with back-to-back against Tipperary, but he wanted to pick the league final victory over Tipperary, with whom Galway had an incredible rivalry, I mean a bitter rivalry in the late 80s, and um, the reason he picked the league final was because, again, Galway had beaten Tip in 87 in the semi-final, 88 in the final, and they were in 89 meeting them in the league final, and... Um, Half Tip had turned up in Perlis for this league final. And Galway were going for 3-0 all Ireland later on that year. And Tip were absolutely full-bent on beating Galway. And Coleman defied them on his own. And from his point of view, he saw that as almost the coming of age, almost the justification of him being part of the 88-winning team. Because there was a lot of controversy surrounding Michael Coleman being brought out from the wilderness. To be part of this Galway team uh, to win in '88, but Sir Allen saw something in him, a real warrior, and he ended up being one of Galway's greatest ever players. But that for him was almost uh, just pumping the fist up to all the Galway people and said, "There, that's why I'm on the Galway team." And like, there was tears in his eyes telling me the story, and I'm thinking, this is incredible passion from this man, thinking of a league final as being a game that was very much where he had kind of risen to the top of the mountain. And then he goes on to talk about, two weeks later. When Galway are playing the All-Stars over in New York. And this ended up being the start of the Tony Keady affair, where the GA decide that they're going to clamp down on a couple of Galway lads who stayed back after the All-Stars to play club hurling in New York under false names, Tony Keady being the most high profile. But as Michael Coleman says, there was loads there. And Coleman himself was supposed to be one of those players to stay and play illegally in the club championship in New York only that he got a phone call on the Friday night before this match on the Sunday that Tony Keady famously played in uh, to fly home and play with his club, Abbey Moy on the Sunday. He flew home Friday night, arrived into Ireland on Saturday, played with his club, Abbey Moy on the Sunday, which is incredible, and then realised that the whole world had caved in on Galway Hurling during the week, when the reports had come back about these lads that were caught playing illegally in, in New York. And the whole thing just went absolutely pear-shaped from there to the finish. Uh, Galway have a lot of bitterness still over the way they were treated in 89 and the way ultimately they lost an All Ireland semi-final to Tipperary and the manner of that and having to do so without Tony Keedy and literally Tony Keedy it'd be a remiss of me shame not to mention that the book is dedicated to Tony and there's a couple of pages at the start just outlining uh, my memories of him. So there's all of these things and I suppose the, the point is there's a huge overlap, and you'll find that when the Kikini book comes as well. Like, there'll be a huge overlap between lads telling the stories of their matches in the 70s and 80s, and suddenly, you know, they become uh, trainers or managers of Kikini underage and senior teams when it comes to the noughties uh, and other fellas coming through. But it's just, there are chapters that you can pick up and read. Like, every player has six, seven, eight pages. You can pick it up, read one chapter, put it down. You don't have to start from finish to end and you're dipping in and out of different eras. Some of the matches go away lost. They didn't win the ball. It's not like a fairy tale book. There's some heartbreak in there. There's some real personal struggles in there. Uh, there's a very human side to a lot of the chapters and the stories as well. But at the end of it all, and you touched on this, Shane, at the end of the day, you have to have great respect for any fella that gives up his time, and in many ways, maybe a chance to further his career to play Intercounty.
0: You... It's fascinating. One of my questions was: was there much overlap between the the, the players? Uh, but something that always stands out to me when I'm when I'm chatting to these the intercounty players is that they care so much about their club. And you've briefly touched upon it yourself. And you're talking about club hurling. And the care so like uh, one nugget I heard is the the intercounty lads are the lads that you'll invite to your wedding. The club players are the one that will be carrying your casket uh, uh, at your end of days. And it, it just goes to show that the passion that people have. Is the book itself focused on the intercounty exploits of the Galway hurlers or? Do you delve a bit more into the club stuff as well because no doubt winning stuff with the club is always uh, uh, some even cherish that more than winning All-Irelands with Intercounty that yeah, I, I've yeah. been told that off air you know they never say it but I've been told that as well you know
1: It's a great question Shane and the point is how do I come up with the balance to tell the story of the club championship and go with success there and for instance if I approach 25 high profile fellas to say, will you talk about your game of your life? And all 25 decide to pick club games. Well, that's not going to work in the book either, is it? And by yeah. the same token, it's completely ignoring how important the club is if at least a portion of those 25 lads don't talk about a club game. Now, it just happened that I go to Ali Canning and he says to me, look at he says, I have to talk about the All-Ireland Club semi-final against James Stevens." He says, they were reigning All-Ireland Champions and as a member of that great Portumbia team of the mid-naughties, he felt that that was the best game he ever played, but also one of the most important games from his club's point of view, because it just laid down a marker. Here they were, and they ended up beating James Stevens really well, going on to win the All-Ireland club title that year, and won three more after that. So, I mean, you couldn't not include that. And then you go to Alan Kearns, who could have picked any number of games from Galway from minor under 21 senior and obviously was part of a cambridge breakthrough club success in the in the early 90s as well under um, Mihal donohu who himself talks about being part of the 1992 all ireland minor winning team against waterford the reason he picked that is because he ended up being manager of galway in uh, in 2017 uh, all those years later but that, uh, that, that, that Clarenbridge victory when they won the All-Ireland club title uh, goes back to an All-Ireland semi-final, which I don't think any of clubs have been involved in a lot of great games. But I defy anybody to say that Bridge against De La Salle from Waterford in the All-Ireland club semi-final wasn't the greatest club game ever played. It was just ridiculous uh, how good that game was. And it ended up with uh, Clarenbridge winning it after extra time. Um, Kearns was part of that success as well uh, this was 2011 it was Perlis uh, De La Salle you know were, were I suppose favourites in most people's eyes because John Milan was their main man they were lucky not to win it the year before and this was supposed to be their time Milan scored 11 points and ended up on the losing team that day against Bridge, uh, 322 to 127 after extra time Kearns was man of the match he got 6 points and he picked that game. So that's another club game that we had to include. John Connolly, arguably Galway's greatest ever player, um, he decided he wanted to pick, again, a pivotal club game, which was his side, Castle Gar, beating Black Rock of Cork, who had pretty much three-quarters of the All-Ireland winning team from Cork that won three in a row in the late 70s on it. And yet Castle Gar stopped them in an All-Ireland club semi-final in 1980 and went on to won the All-Ireland final, which was the first time that any Galway club had won an All-Ireland Club final. And not just that, uh, Connaught won the Railway Cup, which was a big deal back in 1980. They won the All-Ireland Club, and then Galway went and won the All-Ireland. So all of this came in quick success, and one was definitely feeding into the other in terms of getting Galway hurling on the winning road, and that year was pivotal, 1980. And Castlegar will feel that their uh, victory over Black Rock was a big time uh, a contributing factor to that so you look at John Connolly picking a club game Ollie Canning picking a club game Alan Kearns picked a club game they had to be included and why wouldn't they Paul Kelly uh, is another man that some Kilkenny fans might remember because the only time in the history of the GA since the Sunday game came up with Man of the Match for the All-Ireland Final in 1979 uh, the only time a player from the losing team was Man of the Match in the All-Ireland Final was in 1993 when Kilkenny beat Galway and I'm sure all the RT cameras were up to take any function. And next thing, the cameras end up going over to the <laughs> to the wake involving the Galway hurlers, who <laughs> would be, because Paul Kelly was voted Man of the Match by Jimmy Barry Murphy. And he tells that story about meeting Jimmy Barry Murphy years later and saying to him, "Thank you so much for giving me Man of the Match, but why did you do it?" And he recounts uh, Jimmy uh, talking to him outside Pro Park and tell him exactly uh, the pressure that was put on him to change his mind because RT were kind of going. This is daft, having cameras at a, at a losing dinner, <laughs> uh, and everyone depressed, and here we are arriving in with the Man of the Match trophy, and the only time that it's happened, it probably could and should have happened a couple of other times, but again, that's an amazing piece of history to have included in one of the chapters, but point decides, rather than talking about the 93 defeat, that while he references, earlier on that year, he was Man of the Match in the All-Ireland Club final, when Sarsfields beat Kilmalik from Limerick, and to think that you'd be man of the match in two All-Ireland finals in the space of six months one a club final the other an Inter-County final is again something that you'd scarcely believe would ever happen again
0: Absolutely fascinating Ollie thank you so much for speaking with us today Galway game of my life is it available for purchase now can you get it online or in all good bookstores
1: Yeah, yeah it's, in, it's in all good bookstores it's in a few bad ones as well by the way <laughs> And uh, you can get it online from from, uh, Eason's. Uh, You can get it from Kinney Books in Galway. Amazon have it. and You'll you'll find it somewhere. If not, ask for it and they'll get it for you. Don't worry. Uh, And get it quick because I know they're they're, they're selling out. And uh, I'm really looking forward because, as I say, these are the first two Galway Game of My Life. And there'll be a lot of other counties producing their Game of My Life books uh, later on in 2021 and early next year.
0: That was the Head of Sport at Galway Bay FM, Ollie Turner, just a fountain of knowledge on all things GAA. Looking forward to reading that book, Galway Game of My Life. Next up, here's James Walsh of Evergreen FC. The chairman spoke with us about the new Astro Pitch, the second Astro Pitch that'll be going out on the Kells Road in Evergreen Park.
2: It it is amazing. I mean, the... We we were sort of we had plans in place to to because of demand um, to try and increase our our astro capacity. You know, in twenty fifteen, we put in the first one uh, with help, sports capital grant, fundraising, big borrowing, stealing ourselves, and Toyota getting involved in, in a background sponsorship, and that dramatically changed access to training and and game time and contact time for players of all ages and allowed us to play games when other pitches around the, you know, complete fixtures when other um, pitches around the country were waterlogged, continued training apart from maybe a storm or things like that. And it it, it just really does make a big difference. And then, so we had plans, um, slightly compromised plans. You know, these debates go on, oh, listen, we should build a full one. Oh, we can't afford it. We'd build a, a 6 aside or a 7 aside Astro. And that's where we were headed. Um, In the background, the club, you know, as you know, has made huge progress in terms of professionalism, um, in terms of its amateur, and in an amateur sense, uh, in the way it's run, uh, development, the club mark. And we had no real tout or anything for sponsorship, but I suppose people were noticing on the sideline as to what what was happening. We have Football for All programmes with a huge increase in uh, in, in girls playing soccer, um, and then you know, uh, Terry Clune from Taxback turns up and says, "Hey, look, guys, do you have a project that I can get involved in? Um, I want to, you know, a sort of a flagship project that the, you seem to be doing the right things out there. You're making the right kind of moves, making the right noises. Um, what have you got?" And we presented them with a plan, and and I, it was an unbelievable situation where he just went, "Okay, then that that that's perfect." He had a look at our uh, plan. We already had planning permission for a full Astro. So we we moved. The the key thing is we were able to move from creating a -a six-a-side pitch to a second full-blown Astro, and that's what this sponsorship does. And we're hugely grateful to Terry. And the the ability that we have now is to uh, increase training time and contact time, but also to play matches through weeknights if we want because we have a second pitch. Uh, we can play Friday night soccer, uh, you know, maybe rent out pitches for the other incomes, um, Monday night night hours or whatever it is. Uh, it just creates all sorts of possibilities that weren't there a month ago uh, for the club. And we're all sort of just trying to uh, absorb it, come to terms with it. Uh, we're not even playing soccer at the moment, you know, <laughs> in, in, this, in this disaster, this COVID. Uh, but when we get back, we can hit the ground running. We we have, uh, he's looked at our finances, looked at our plan, and said, here you go, uh, let's go, and let's get it done this year. So really by, October, November, we should be training and playing matches on a second astro pitch.
0: Well, that's uh, that's great to hear. I, I myself, with my club, we've we've used the facilities, playing evergreen, of course, and then playing in the Leinster Shield games that we were playing in as well. So, it just yeah. uh, it, it it was great to have that there. It really opened up different avenues. You mentioned the nighttime games; it was something that we possibly discussed with Tom Mullins from the KDL uh, if they were plans in the future and opening up that avenue for something because obviously the lights are there. The facilities are there it would be something great to, to have uh, it, the move to Kells road over the years though has been phenomenal the, the 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 work that's gone in behind the scenes from all different club members has just been astronomical and uh, you're getting awarded then with the fai club mark in recent times uh, th- how important is that for everybody involved with the club there must be a sense of achievement from that
2: I, definitely and i think look the, the take the two things mick hennessy deserves huge credit peter two do them really and and the committee at the time really put their uh time and effort and all hours every day to 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 try and make the Kells road happen um and it started with the with pitch one and a and a a small training pitch and then the four pitches and moving on then in in stages as to where it is now so i mean there has been tremendous work and, and it is it it's a base now to, to continue on from. Um importance of Club Mark, I think it's huge because it it's a set of standards set down by the FAI and it's audited and Wilkinson and Carlo was very good to us guiding us through the process and the committee members worked through it with him. Whereby all the key things you know, there's eight hundred people again, players, members, uh, playing members of Evergreen. Seven hundred of those are under eighteen, so it's very important with that number of people, number of children, that all the things are in place: the guarding, the safeguarding, and all the things that uh, and coaching that the, that the coaches are qualified to coach the, the the kids at the appropriate age, and they're not expecting a a nine-year-old to do something that a 17-year-old can do, you know, get up and, and, and jump over the second centre-backs for a corner, all the rest of it. So, you know, that, that the coaching is appropriate to the age group, I think, is so important. And also expectation levels, that that uh, the management of, of coaching and and uh, people running games, that, you know, it's not overly competitive and it's, it, everyone's in, under, you know, some sort of level of control when, when, when possible... Um, And also, when parents want to put their kids into sport, you know, and soccer, that they're looking at, well, you know, Evergreen, there's a club now, you know, it's run well, it has this club mark thing, it means all the the, uh, practices and policies are in follow correctly, so I will trust that club with my child, and I think that's that's a compliment, and I think that's a huge uh, thing, no more than... You're a well-run school, and if you know that the teachers are very good and the school has a good reputation, you tend to want to put your kids there. And that's the way we look at developing the club. Uh, and and this, the club mark is, is a kind of a, a recognition. And I, I'd encourage all clubs to go for it. And I'm not saying, you know, I think all clubs are well-run. They just need to document it and present themselves and, and do the work to, to put in place areas that are lacking and, and move on and we should all be club marked not just one club all clubs should be
0: and looking at that obviously the say the Astro pitch there's going to be short term benefits for everyone involved in the club you mentioned some type of monetary thing where you're renting out the pitches and stuff but short term benefits aside the long term investment in the sense that this is this is evidently going to see a stream of young players and girls looking to join the club and they think somewhere where they can develop from the club and you know there's players that have gone on to make a professional living from coming from, from Evergreen and these standards can only help going forward
2: No no, they're absolutely correct I mean the the first and foremost we have to service the the, 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 the youngster the boys and girls who want to come out and play soccer and have fun Uh from a club point of view, I suppose you're judged from the outside to say, "Well, they have a youth international, or they have a, you know, someone's made it to Aston Villa, or, or you know, a Premier, you know, they get signed." It's, it's a major accolade for a club, and I think, you know, the kids that are six or seven or eight or nine out there today, with the increased contact time, with the increased training time, you know, they can develop their skills and technical ability on all-weather pitches, so the meaning that they're playing as often as they want. It has to deliver uh, players eventually to League of Ireland clubs and hopefully to hopefully to assist our international uh, team in years to come. And that has to be an objective uh, for a club like Evergreen, to say, look, what's all this work for? It's all great, it's pro- and it's progression, and it really is every so often you get a reward to say, that kid has gone through, that girl is now playing with, like Thomas Donne have it with young Lloyd, that that girl is now playing international soccer. That boy has made it to this level. Absolutely. And, And it's a constant, constant progression and improvement.
0: Yeah, it's, it, it's great to see since the club, like, you know, you started off, founded 1946, didn't have a pitch. I'm currently involved in a club we set up six years ago, had a pitch, lost a pitch, striving for a pitch. It's, it's nice to have standards set by a, a previous club in Kilkenny and a continuous club in Kilkenny and have something to strive towards eventually.
2: It's true, you know, it's a bit like sort of when you you know, as I did, when you're, live in different places and you're, you're sort of living in rental accommodation and you're moving your bags and your pillows and everything from house to house and flat to flat. And and eventually then you, you get your own key of your front door and you go, right, this, this is my bit now, this is where I'm staying. And I suppose when, when that happened with the Kells Road, um, that's the case. You say, right, this is the thing. It's, it is what it is now, but it, this is, this is something you can start to build from. And, uh, you know, there's no big debts in the club. There's no, you know, there's no nothing going to happen overnight. that's going to go, oh Jesus, ever going to go bust? they've done this, they've done something stupid. That's not the case. And uh, we're very prudent, uh, uh, Treasurer Mr. Tui. So, uh, you know, nothing will go go out the window. So we have uh, a, a kind of a continuous build plan. And uh, you know, we have when we have our second estro, which which will happen. Uh the next thing then will be a clubhouse um and, and that's it. You know, you sort of become then a, a, a club that, that uh is recognizable and, and we should be able to compete nationally um uh, with the Dublin clubs and all the rest of it. And certainly we'll be competing in terms of our facilities at least.
0: Yeah, well, looking forward to it looking forward to having Castlemore and Celtic out there gracing the pitch and eventually the clubhouse uh, again with the A team even though we got uh, Troun 7-1 the last time we played and you never know we, we might put it up to him again <laughs> this time uh, well,
2: absolutely absolutely and look, look it, it's it's up to it's up to all clubs it's up to us to be competitive it's up to every other club to be, to be competitive because we all push each other on and, and if we develop and someone else develops that's, that's great and um, evergreen should be um, something that you know that we see ourselves as a progressive thing in the southeast where would you know it's a progressive club and push everybody, else, push everybody else on
0: that was evergreen fc chairman james walsh talking about the club receiving their fai club mark as well as receiving funding for a second astro pitch next up is the pro of Border og and carlo under 20 manager pato flint he was talking to us about highlighting some of the great work that's been done at minor level in Kilkenny. Last
3: year we did a um a section with the Kilkenny people and the Kilkenny GA website of what I love about my club. And, and we did it over the space of three months with the 30-odd with the clubs in Kilkenny. And it, it went down well. And obviously with the, the free time at the moment as well for, for clubs, as in not being physically able to get out in the pitches so far, we thought a, a good way of highlighting um, some of the tremendous work that goes on at underage level within Kilkenny would be uh, highlighting the minor teams for this year and doing a, an in-depth kind of preview of the minor championship with uh so we're basically appealing to all the clubs at minor level uh, I think there's 20 clubs in at this stage. There's another few to go just to send in information about who's the officers of your board and OAK within the club uh, who are over the minor team this year. And just just a, a list of players as well, what they got on about uh, or how they got on two years ago at the under-15 championship level. And uh, some funny, funny items or funny facts about the club as well that people from outside your club may not know. Um, I, think, I, think, I think one of the clubs sat down on something hilarious, Shane, to, to be honest, uh, about the fact that, uh, that the reason the nickname on the pitch is called the ditch or something because it's uh, some old, uh, land war thing from 1854 or something. It completely caught me on, uh, and i way, way better than that, but it, it does, it does, uh, it's good. And, and to be honest with you, Shane, after last year, an awful lot of supporters wouldn't have gotten to see their, their club minor teams play or club under 15 teams play because that was at a stage of the season where our supporters weren't allowed to the games for, uh, uh or were heavily restricted numbers were at games, I, I forget. There's been so many COVID plans at this stage, Shane, I forget whether it was living with COVID or level two or level three or level four, uh that that, that, that was out at that stage. But uh numbers at games, if they were allowed at all, were severely curtailed and I, I think some of the championships actually finished with, with no no people allowed at the at the games at club level.
0: And are you just putting this call out now or is it something that you've uh, been working on in the background?
3: Well, we've 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 put it out to the clubs about ten days ago, so they've they've started to send in the, the information on it, Sam. So we're we're just appealing. there's about maybe fifteen clubs left now to to get in the information and to highlight the fact that it is going to be. You know, hopefully, towards the build up of of when we know games are happening, and to, just to highlight again, the tremendous work that goes on at underage level in any... because uh, you know, often you'd look at the club, and we all know who the the chairpersons and the officers of of the senior club are, but an awful lot of time we wouldn't know that there's hard working people in the club away from behind, blindly making sure that there's future future stars coming through to to the senior club setup and senior intercounty setups as well.
0: Yeah, and it's integral as well during this time to kind of have a bit of positivity surrounding the GEA because I was talking to Dave O'Neill, Greg Valley, Callan, Chairman, not only two hours ago, and I was just I, I was a bit annoyed by the kind of finger pointing that happens with the GEA, especially considering the Dublin stuff already this week. So it's nice to highlight something uh, that that there's a lot of people at the ground level doing some tremendous work and tremendous work throughout the the pandemic behind the scenes that are not getting their their just rewards. So it's nice to see that they're like. Spotlight! You've got to be shown on them.
3: Yeah, exactly, Shane. And 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 to be honest with you, um, unfortunately, Shane, as you know as well in life as I do, you're never going to sell papers. Unfortunately, with great news stories about that, you know, about the tremendous work all the healthcare workers have done in this country in the last twelve months, or you know, everyone will nitpick at things. Everyone, you know, um, you know, you'll never see the list of all the great things that you know you know, the Dublin footballers did in relation to charity work and and, 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 and all that chain. So it's it's you know, yeah, there was a mistake made. I think you know, and that's you know, that's life and there'll be a punishment meet out there. But the the GA, you know, there's so many people like you know, from a club point of view, I know from my own club in St. Martin's and Mukalee, like from from the likes of you look at, you know, even before a ball is kicked or a, a ball is booked, You have the likes of Tom Dowland and Patsy Murphy look after the two fields in Muckley Coon. And, you know, there'd be, you know, I think there's 13 or 14 people on those field committees in those both their pitches. to make sure the pitch is okay and it's done. You have someone who washes the jerseys. You have somebody who makes sure there's balls there. You have somebody there who makes sure the pitch is caught, lined, looking brilliant. You have the parents who drive the kids to the matches. You know, and and that's that's only you know, so on and so on and so on, and all of a sudden it's a, a part of everyone's daily life, and it's 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 what they look forward to, and like it's it's. I I think if last year taught is one thing, Shane was I, I was at a challenge match. Uh, I think it was St Martins were playing Bagnellstown in in Muckalee in one of the evenings, glorious summer's day. I think it was you no know, twenty eight degrees or whatever it was was roasting. or eating ice cream or drinking lucasade or whatever in the shade, and. You know, like, you know, the club means everything to everyone, if if you know what I mean, that it matters to them. And, you know, the amount of older people around, you know, the county, you know, that didn't get to see their young lads play last year or their grandsons or their nephews or their their cousins or the neighbour up the road. And it's, it's just a highlight, really, that these are all things we're looking forward towards. And these are all things we'll hopefully get to do this summer. And we hope that, you know, um, you know, that people be able to attend their, their, their club games and we hope we have something to look forward to and like I, I know myself in in my own club, you know, uh when we when we won our first round of the championship against Carrick Shock last year, the buzz that was around the place because there was something to look forward to, the team had played well, you know, everyone was just on cloud nine and it does it does help and you know, I think I said it to you before, Shane, that uh, you know, the, the championship games going on last last winter, November December, it it was a huge lift to everyone because there was something to look forward to every weekend. And you know, you know, I I support Man United for my sins, and you know, I, I love watching the you know the the, the Heineken Cup games on on uh, you know on, on the telly, the, the the Leinster and the Munster and the Connacht and the Ulster games and and all that. But nothing will get you going as much as going over to to Netwatch Cullen Park, going into into Nolan Park. Watching whether it's Carlo or Kilkenny playing, watching Sam Martins or Mokalee playing, or you know, it just it just means so much to people. It it just really matters to people, and it's it's it it's the enjoyment it brings, and it's it's also good for for young people as well because it brings a bit of structure about their life. They're looking forward to the next trend session. They're looking forward to the next match, and it's it's uh, you know it's nearly not the the winning that matters at this stage. It's it's to be out there participating, doing stuff living life and being young and having some sort of sense of normality in a in a safe way, and, you know, just, just like, even talking, even for me as a PRO at the Bourdon Oak, was just so nice to actually touch base with an awful lot of clubs and, you know, reach out to somebody, whether it was Marguerite Welsh down in Kil- Kilmacau or, or Brian Call in the own club in St. Martin's, it's you know, that that's up to the at of the county. I like to talk to them, you know, it's nearly a half an hour conversation with everyone in the sense that they're so looking forward to it. They're so looking forward to getting back on the pitch. And it's it's just a fact last year as well, um, Shane, we got out. I don't think there was really a COVID case. Uh, now, I'm, I am no scientist. I am no doctor. so I'm not going to... <laughs> to, 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 to uh, and I'm certainly not as forceful on, this, uh, on these issues. But like, last summer, I think there was one case in the in the, the cool camps uh, in the whole country. They were excellent. They were well-attended as far as i'm aware i haven't heard of any player picking up um uh covid from playing the matches outside uh you know and you know i, I think the, the positives largely outweigh the, the the negatives on that one Shane. and it's it's something it's just you know we're not robots um most of us are fortunate enough we're we're getting to work yes it might be working from home and you know it it does be strange that your your bedroom has turned into an office as well but um you know, we, we do need something to look forward to and, you know, like God willing and, uh, uh, faxing willing or, <laughs> I don't know who we need to, to, to say, God, you know, willing towards, but, uh, hopefully it'll, it'll make, um, hopefully, uh, we won't need to be doing as many interviews. <laughs> we say that it'll be, it'll be live sport. to be covered. That's,
0: a, that's what I need. I need some live sport. We had the Leinster game being called off on Friday. I was absolutely gutted. <laughs> the, that, that, that that was two hours I had to fill. Hence why I'm calling you <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying like,
3: it, it was like, and it, it, like it's 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 a, it's, a, it's hilarious uh, because uh, you know being Good Friday uh, we we were actually working because you know it's it's our year end work and. Uh, we were working good Friday, but you know, because you're in work, you know, we didn't, I didn't know the match was caught off. I actually came home to the you kind of all pumped up to watch the rugby match. Kind of going, what's the story? Why, why isn't there a match on here?
0: we having a little Leinster flag.
3: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you know, I, I, uh, I I I I support Leinster or Munster or Ulster or Connacht. They're all they're all Irish teams, Shane, and they all uh, pull on the Irish jersey. So look, it's 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 um, you know it's uh, if, if, if I put it like this, if 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 Aaron's own were were playing uh, a match tomorrow morning, I'd go down and watch them as well. at uh, they're our near neighbours, but it's 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 um, no, I I think I think I think you're feeling our pain as much as everyone else is saying that we all just want to. Want to get back out in the field and and and, and 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 enjoy life and and no disrespect to Zoom or Microsoft Teams, I'll I'll be very happy not to have to conduct team meetings uh, <laughs> via those forms anymore.
0: Uh, AJ just on the topic then of team meetings and looking forward to getting back to play. What's the ladle land looking like at the under twenties?
3: Um be honest with you, we're, 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 there was some little incident with some football team earlier on in the week, so <laughs> getting clarity on situations uh, <laughs> uh, are proven a little bit hard uh, As far as I'm aware, there is a GAA meeting, either Tuesday or Wednesday, um, to kind of outline a, a GAA roadmap as such, um, that I, I think um, they were hoping for some guidance from, from Neffet in relation to what roughly the picture will look like. Um, no, as we all know, this can change dramatically, but if if I was a guessing man, and I was to guess, I would say largely you're looking at National League in around the 15th, 16th of I would imagine the All-Ireland football and Hurling finals will be some stage of middle of August, and you're probably looking at the Joe McDonough Cup and Talton Cup at some stage at the end of July, which would feed into probably club championship games starting off end of August, middle of August, depending on, on, on where counties uh finish in, in, in the championship and, and I would imagine then you're probably looking at November for um, your your inter provincial um club championships. That that's roughly what I would would imagine. Uh that you know that club will unfortunately go second um, you know, I, I loved last summer where the club was played off during the summer and it was brilliant and all that. But I, I just think from a logistical point of view, and, you know, if the club has been played come August, September, most people have gotten their vaccines and it will probably give hope of having crowds in, in matches as well, uh, going forward. And, you know, it, we're, we're watching with a bit of breath. I know the UK government announced today that they're, their test trialling events from, I think it's the 26th of April that they're starting to in owners to, Horse racing events and into, and the FA Cup final, they're looking at between five and ten thousand people being at that before the following weekend. They're letting in limited crowds into Premier League matches. So that'll be a a good kind of outline on where things from that point of view. But in a nutshell, Shane, I, I would say you're looking at National League, middle of May. I would say at some stage in June, July, you know, the likes of the Burn Cup in Kilkenny and the Bulger Cup in Carlow and the divisional football leagues, I I would imagine they will come back in at some stage during the summer when when Neffet and the government allow them. Um, you know, I I just know from a board and Oak point of view, I know William Mary and and the, the CCC, the fixtures committee have been working very hard on grading. And, and you know you know with with, the, with these things you have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. And then they all get thrown out the window and you have to come up with pandy. so it's it's uh look, hopefully when we do get back this time there won't be any worries about shutdowns or or anything like that, Shane. It's but like I, I think Tuesday or Wednesday to be indicated to to clubs and counties what the roadmap ahead lies for, for clubs. I do know the twenty I think it's the twenty sixth of April the the um uh club uh, young underage players are allowed back in their pods of fifteen. Um, and that created a great sense of excitement among, you know, I think relieved parents as well, <laughs> Well, something to do in the evening for, for the kids, uh, but in relation to the under-20 championships, the only thing I, I do know for definite on that is um, it is going ahead, there is an under-20 and football championship this year, likely that the hurling might be a couple of weeks later starting because last year's under-20 championship needs to be finished off. And you know we'll, we'll we'll probably get four weeks of a window like the inter-county teams of training before we'll be out in the championship. Uh, the young lads themselves are, are working away on programs with the, the uh, performance director, Seamus um, Comfort, through Zoom, through smart through various other platforms. Shane, it's it's uh, <clears throat> it's, it's great fun. They're um, they're actually they're actually today uh, putting some skills uh, videos together by themselves just being some fairly uh amusing, shall we say, with <laughs> the interpretation of, of some of the skills, uh so oh, I, I think, fair think, uh, fairness to, sh- to shame, as we were saying we'll put some of them up on Twitter over the next few days when, when we get them all in. Uh, and look, the, you know, there's been people around the country. Oceania McConville spoke to them um, a couple of months ago about mental well-being and how to cope with the current circumstances and around gambling and betting and addictive substances and, you know, it was just very powerful stuff from Oshin, Um real insight. Uh, he politely reminded me as well. He actually came down and played Muckley in a in a in a challenge match a few years ago, across McLen, uh in a football challenge match. Uh, so uh, I, I think I, I think Muckley were going okay in that challenge match, and then uh, they started bringing on the Ireland winners. But this was. Uh, good experience uh, and Andy comfort had actually arranged it and we played indoor soccer against each other so it's, <laughs> it's funny the way these things, things come around but uh, and we also had um, Liam Le- Cal spoke to the lads a couple of, couple of weeks ago about how to manage everything in life uh, from a professional point of view and from a, an inter-county point of view as well that you know if they're at the stages of their lives where it's you know it's, it's really hard because you know they have, they have college or they have leaving cert. so you you know so you have the expectations from yourself, your mother and your father, from your peers, and then when you go outside the home, a lot of them are part-time jobs or are working or are doing apprenticeships. They have to balance that as well. You know the, the stresses of a lot of their freedoms being curtailed. You know at you know at club level, they probably have a, a junior manager, a senior manager, and uh, an under uh, an under twenty manager. You know, and you have to multiply that by two because it's an awful lot of dual clubs as well, and then so that's that's six different managers before before you, you come near in intercounty setup and, and some of them some of them are, are in with the senior intercounty sides as well. And you know you know the one good thing about some of these Carlo lads as well is there's a good few of them actually on scholarships as well. So they're they're considered elite players in their in their colleges as well that they're they're, they're the peanut boys of um of their college and their teams. So there's, there's a lot of talent there and they're hard working guys and you know uh, thankfully there is a championship. Thankfully we know what's going ahead. Just just a little bit around dates now needs to be worked out around and you no know, in fairness it's a tough, tough job for the GA at the moment because you know what, they have a new president only coming in, um, you know, and you know, you know, like a lot of county boards this year their chairman would have changed under the five year rule and you know, you have Jim Bulger who's who's a really nice guy, he's the chairman of the, the Carlo County Board now and he's you know he's brought a lot of energy and enthusiasm to the role,
0: and, you know, and there's there, there's, ho- there's wholesale changes in the Carlos set-up anyway, um, with yeah. managers. But uh, look, we have to go. We have to go to an ad break, Pato. Thanks very much yeah. for taking the time of day. Just uh, just give a quick shout out in regards to what you're looking for with the Kilkenny minor clubs. How can they get in contact? Yeah. So look,
3: uh, just yeah, I. Touched all. The, uh, so basically, your your team a little bit about the uh, list of the panel, uh, a little bit of a pen pick kind of profile which was sent out to the the board and oak Secretary's email address and and something funny and witty about about the club as well. People love those kind of little witty things or little knowledgeable things. It's it, it's it's great fun, so to say. Yeah.
0: That was Pat O'Flynn, Carlo Under Twenty Manager. Next up is Ollie O'Neill from Paulstown Boxing Club. He'll be talking about the lay of the land when it comes to local boxing and international boxing with the retirement of Carl Frampton.
4: Fair Carl Frampton, he gave great service to Irish boxing. Like he's, like he was. I think it was two thousand nine he went pro, but he's boxing pro for twelve years and he was gone. Like in my opinion, he was too, minus too small for the super super featherweight title, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't want a title at Bandaway and featherweight, you know, and he was, I'd say he was fighting hard to make the way, Shane, and as well as that, we'd be taking it on board like what he's been through with court cases, you know, with his former manager, Barry McGuigan, definitely had effect on him as well. He'd be, he and, and another thing into the bargain, and then his amateur trainer, Billy McKee, died, it died there only recently, and he even said after the fight, it did affect him a bit, Shane. So, it probably wasn't the best night for him but he, was, he got fabulous service there boxing but uh, James Jamil Herring is a very very clever lad A very tall but he was both, I'd say he was a good 12 inches higher than than Carl Frampton and he was very very clever Carl tried to get inside yeah he caught Carl caught him in the fourth round but that didn't bother him you know and Carl was on his knees I think it was the fifth or sixth round was Carl was on his knees now he had no body language, Carl Watney had to go much further. He had talked out in his head, you know, and... but look, he gave great service, and he gotta hold his head up high. And after the fight, straight away, when they were interviewing him, um, he said, sure, I'm... He said, I'm the loser, you should be interviewed the champion. So I tell you how much respect both of them had. And Jamal Herring said that Barry McGee or Dash, Carl Phantom was his hero for years. You know, even when he was training with Barry McQueen. So they have great respect for each other. And Harrington would be a tough guy to beat for any boxer because he's very, very tough for his weight. He's a U.S. Marine and teeth tough. So, you know, I can't find him there was no one that in, in, in regards to boxing wise anyway. A very, very good boxer that he was over the years.
0: Certainly 31 fights, 28 victories, only three losses. But it was sad to see kind of the towel being thrown in last night in the sixth round. Um, yeah. he, you know, he he was going to claim that this would have been his best fight ever. It's hard to kind of beat the Leo Santa Cruz fight. Anyway, that, that was one that I particularly enjoyed. But, you know, it was sad to see yeah. him go out, but he's going to dedicate his life now to the family.
4: Yeah, well, that's it, Shane. He said, actually, that uh, he missed his kids. and I, That's why I think head was not in the fight, as such. He, was, he, he said he spent a quite lot of time away from his family and small children, and he missed their years the coming up. So I suppose, you know, you can understand where he, where he was coming from. I remember boxing in the league sandwiches, except for Eric Donovan. Just have some some Titanic battles. He'd win one, Eric win other, You know, in the League championships, and uh, and of course Eric is coming up now with the for the European WBO title. So, you know, I suppose these boys have been around a long, long time, and and I'd say, you know, they need a break I suppose. I'd say. Carl, now I'd say he was happy to get over it. I'd say now at this stage he's actually having some career. In fairness to him
0: yeah certainly has a particular highlight of mine was the Kiko Martinez fight as well I had a bit of a grudge after the Burner Dunn fight in the point <laughs> watching that and then you know Frampton going up against him was a, a belter of a scrap um, looking ahead now with Irish boxing in general who do you think can take the mantle from Frampton um, is there anybody that can step up to the plate well sure
4: there's Paddy Donovan there now is was watching a very very good one, it was that he's happens just to show a controversy over the season but there's not a good young lad he's been trained by Andy Lee at the moment and there's lot a good young lad unfortunately we're losing them first off boxes there's a, a Malcolm Welch there a very good young lad he won his under-19 European junior uh, medal in, in the Europeans under-19 from down Cork and he's gone pro this week as well there's it's just on for at the moment and you know it's very very hard for all you've always called club coaches I, I, I myself I have was I getting Darren O'Neill our Olympian to do uh, a an non an kind of zoom of course for our club and, and do videos for the boys to keep them training but it's very very hard I do see some of our girls that are running most mornings which is great to see and some of the boxers but they're not going to if we don't get back in action soon Shane I don't know what we're going to do we're Irish I amateur mean, boxing will lose a, lot, a lot, of, uh, lot of great talent because most of them are not getting fights in our competition and they're going pro and it's going very hard. If we get rid of this flipping virus, we'll have some chance, Shane, you know.
0: And what's the lay of the land, then? We know that the likes of golf and tennis and, and inter-county hurling is provisionally on the cards over the next few weeks. What has been passed down to from your boxing authority?
4: Well, unfortunately, at the moment, Shane, nothing has been passed down to us. Uh, we're just certainly going by what the government restrictions are at the moment now. But... um we're hoping in, in three weeks' time we'll be able to train outside again. You know, that would be a great help, Shane, if we could, because we could train like the horrors in, in pods, you know, in maybe pods of 15. So it'd be fabulous to be able to go out there and, you know, on the Sundays and Saturdays in the first year if we could do that, even. Uh, according to John Tracy, uh, there'd be no contact sports uh, allowed until everyone's got their vaccine. That's the the word from him. Now, he'd be, he be the grants person over the IABA. He'd be part of the IABA, get the grants for the sports council. So we have, we've we got no word at the moment over about that from the IABA when we go back to train. And uh, we have been fighting in the chain, as you know yourself. They've been fighting over over Bernard Dunne's job now at the moment. So With the, the central council and the board of directors. So we don't know what's going on, really. There's a are loose now. Pandemic over all this fighting
0: as one would say. Is there financial implications then of what's going on as well uh, for for the clubs? Like we we know the Tullow Boxing Club lost their premises uh, early on during the pandemic. Uh, what's the financial implications as someone who's involved in Carroll Kilkenny boxing for these clubs? Are they, su- are they suffering or are they able to continue uh, when or be ready to open back up?
4: Well, well Jim, it's very hard to any fundraising events and. As you know, yourself, Shane, a lot of people come in there'll be white collar boxing there'll be a training in the clubs they've played a few subs there every week so that keeps the clubs going but that's not happening now Shane because there's no training going on only individual training on people on their own and uh, so that would be a, definitely would be but in fairness to the IABA uh, Shane to have this resilient fund and clubs have to get a few pounds they didn't charge or a few euros as say. they haven't charged the clubs any membership money for insurance right this year yet so far. Which is a very helpful about seven hundred euros in, And uh but you you still be losing a lot of clubs are renting halls, you know, and they have to keep you heating and lighting on the all them bills have to be paying chain. So definitely is a good a lot of financial pressure on clubs. Definitely are no question about suffer. But so sure, we'll have to keep going the best we can chain. For the love of boxing anyway, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, certainly. Um l- looking ahead then what kind of work are you going to have? It's going to be different, return to boxing, than what maybe people anticipated. There's been no sparring for nearly a year, or no, you know, nothing of real merit, no competition. So, what is, is the training plans changing up now, or what, what way are you going to be able to return? Is it going to be back to business as usual?
4: Well, sure. Shane, well, the, the group of boxers of the season gone by after missing out on the Irish Championship. You know, a lot of clubs have some really, really good lads. You know, we had a in the jubilee level, we had two really good chaps, and we had six lesser youth champions. That, that their age was called off. But three girls, and, uh, three teenage girls, and three teenage boys, 15 and 16, So they, they, didn't get a chance boxing so Then I don't, I don't know what the plan is that be have for that. Now but I'd say that probably has just forget about for that year. So when we'll you go back training, Shane, just like back down to ground level again, back to the basics, take on a few new lads, and good. You know, get back to, have to. get back to. Everyone is looking forward to get back, sparring. because you know that's what you really. That's what you really need when you are going to get ready for the ring. So uh, a, lot, a lot of work now at the moment is, is just being done uh, at home, and most of the kids have punched back to home. And so that's why we had uh, we have on, on the on online zooms and stuff. Like that. All the clubs are after doing do that. I have see and uh, and Karen and all the other clubs are around around kicking here have to All over it and doing it because you'd you see it regularly right up on Facebook. For sure, there's not much more the trainers can do. And with, you know, and you have to keep everyone safe as well. No one wants to, to bring the misery to anyone's family either over sport as such.
0: Certainly. Well, Ollie, look, it's been a pleasure talking to you, sir. I'll let you go back and you can enjoy whatever you're doing on Easter Monday. I wouldn't say eating an Easter egg, maybe having a nice leg of lamb or something like that. But <laughs> uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. No doubt, Frampton's uh, boxing legacy will live on and uh, hopefully people will be able to step up to the mantle.
4: Thanks very much, and happy Easter to be all in there.
0: That was Ollie O'Neill of Paulstown Boxing Club. Our final interview of the day is John Geraghty, the PRO of Kilnadema Leitrim GAA Club. They have a new initiative trying to raise funds for the club by setting out a challenge to all GAA clubs across the world. And of course, the Walshes of Tullerone have got involved.
5: Kilkenny being a a big hurling county and the Walsh is obviously a very famous name down there and um, we said we'd we'd approach them guys and they were up for fair play to them. We're we're delighted to get them involved and um, they bring a great passion for GA in general and they have a great outlook I suppose in general and uh, a great enthusiasm about the game so it was great to get them involved um, and they're, they're, they're having a bit of fun in the background as well themselves trying to see who's the best skills, doing the best skills, um, challenges in their own uh, family and the competitive environment there as you'd always have heard with the stories down to the years when they were small um, um, in the back garden and there to be blood spilled and stuff like that but uh, I don't think they've <laughs> spilled any blood just yet but never say never.
0: Fingers crossed. Uh, the prize is pretty incredible. There's a mammoth amount uh, at stake for for the winners.
5: Yeah, so let's, let's look at, we, we have a ta- had a target of, of uh, trying to put together a prize money of 10,000. Now, I suppose w- it depends on the number of clubs that sign up. Um, we're early days really signing up at the moment, but if we we looked at uh, how many clubs are all over the world, and there's over 3,000 GA clubs, and then there's obviously maybe Komogi and... And ladies football clubs that mightn't be under the GA bracket as such, so there's a huge pool there. And um, I suppose we, we were trying to see if we get a third of, of that to sign up, we would have a, a then have a pool of, of, of about ten thousand as a prize money. And We're also looking at uh, outside of hurling. We're also looking at the football as well. So um, now the caveat is, I suppose, in our terms and conditions, if we don't reach our our the large target, you know, the the winner will still get ten percent of whatever we we. Uh, entry fees we get so it'll still be a substantial prize um, for anyone I suppose that enters you know
0: Yeah I kind of want to start up my own club now to be able to shot at it but I don't have the well, skills necessary <laughs> I can assure show you that
5: Well what I'm finding is we, we're kind of doing it in our own family then just as a bitter crack to practice uh, and challenge each other even though we, we, we can't really enter given that we're the organisers but uh, it's generating a bit of fun that way as well like um, among families and things like that and Look, it's, it's not always about the winning, but it's it's uh, about maybe taking part in something like this, and you could never know how far you could go on it. Um, and it's a way into you could challenge your 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 lo- local team or your local rivals as well. Like you know, if you signed up your team, you could challenge them. And even though you can't play challenge matches these days, um, you could still challenge your greatest rivals in this type of a competition. So it's, it adds a bit of spice to maybe not just pucking the ball against the wall, you're doing it now to try and get one over your neighbours, you
0: know. And obviously it's great exposure to the game in general, but it's a—it's also a great way of promoting your own club, uh, Killing the because showing initiative in, in these times and, and, and having to do it in a creative way is, is something like that. That can be tough on a lot of clubs, but it's great to see that there's things out there that is not just at a local community, but you're expanding at, to a worldwide community.
1: Yeah, I suppose
5: like uh, our our club is as uh, no more than heard in the commentary there Tolerone is a fairly old club. Our own club, uh, it's a mal- amalgamation of two clubs, small clubs, Kinadema and Leach from their two separate parishes, just outside and Galway. And I suppose the third president of the GA, um, Peter Kelly actually came from as so you know, you can see the history there, a lot of history in our club as well. Um but yeah, I think it's 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 great to, to try and sometimes go outside your own own uh area to try and do fundraising because, you know, everyone knows we, we get a lot back from the communities in our own local areas, and we've done that already as part of our development um, uh, of our clubhouse. So this, this gives us an opportunity maybe just to go outside the, the boundaries of our own and set up something w- w- that's very interesting and will get clubs engaged and, and involved in something in a competitive environment, which they're obviously lacking and, and missing. For you know, over a year now at this
0: stage, and and clubs in counties such as Leitrim, um, you know, you you have people that flock to to the big cities for jobs or whatever like that. How how do clubs in 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 counties such as Leitrim uh, be able to sustain the interest in it when yet when you might be en- ended up losing people going to university or college or or do you find that that's not really playing into effect at all?
5: i to clarify. There, we're not in Leitrim. We're in County Galway. Uh, but our, our club uh, is the
0: amalgamation. I apologise. Well, Galway, you're fine, yeah, yeah. so everyone's flocking <laughs> to <through> Galway.
5: <laughs> well, it was. Look, it's, we're we're still pretty rural, uh, as I said. We've guys in London. We've guys all over the world who are, you know, gone there from a from a work point of view. So, um, it, it's maybe we're 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 pretty heavily impacted by, you know. Uh, people going abroad and things like that so this gives us a chance maybe just to, to reach back out to those types of guys and, um, and make the connection again and uh, have a bit of crack with guys that are overseas
0: How can people get involved? If there's clubs out there now is it closed off so far or is there more room to, to fit in other clubs? If someone in the Caralokel Kilkenny area a club is listening they want to get involved it's open to the LGFA it's open to Camogie Hurling and football clubs as well who do they contact?
5: Absolutely. So really, suppose we have a GoFundMe page. So if you went into GoFundMe uh, website and search club skills competition, you'll find it there. And you can sign up. It's a it's 100 euros, which isn't much really because you could have 20 players or 10 players that wanted to put in a bit of money each and set up their own team. And uh, they can do it that way. Or you could also look at a sponsor in your local area that might want to, to sponsor a, a team. Um, and then likewise, as we said, a family could enter it was five or six or even it doesn't have to be five or six it could be just two people uh, can enter that way so going onto our GoFundMe page uh, you go in there and just you know everyone's probably pretty familiar with how that works and you lodge the 100 jewels you leave your club name or your family name and then we'll reach out to you and we'll get you signed up uh, so we've only really started registering teams um, at the moment we're just really focused on promotion of it, and the deadline is 25th of April uh, for teams to sign up so a bit of time yet
0: Looking forward to following the journey on long anyway, John, and best of luck with it all.
5: Thanks very much. Just to mention then as well, I suppose we have sponsors on board, so Supermax, which uh, everyone will be familiar with, Supermax is a great GA sponsor, um, at club band, obviously they sponsor Galway, and then we've actually got a, a, a company that's Kilkenny based uh, their uh, team direct, uh, uh, they've joined up with us, so we're delighted to have them on board, and, and they're uh, Teamwear Direct uh, they've uh, they're Kinney based and they've sponsored some great prizes um, for us um, they do GAA gear and things like that so it's great to get them in
0: That was John Geraghty from Kilnadima Leitrim GAA Club great getting to speak to him great getting to see what life was like in Connacht today with our discussions with Ollie Turner and John Geraghty also coming back to a local level Ollie O'Neill Pat O'Flynn and James Walsh. That's some of the interviews from our weekend sports show here at KCLR Scoreline. Be sure to tune into the show live next week from 2 to 6, but don't worry, we got you covered with Scoreline Extra if you miss any of the great interviews. Lots of other podcast offerings here at KCLR. If you're a fan of GEA, we have the Clash Act podcast, which deep dives into the careers of some of the GEA's legends, All Things MMA with Ken McGuire and Miles Price, the knock-on rugby podcast with head of sports Stephen Byrne and former Leinster captain Chris Pym. And of course, my favourite, the Football Manager Football Show with myself and Ken Maguire as we navigate our way through the English Championship. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast or any of the podcast offerings here at KCLR. Stay safe. Stay safe. Hope you enjoy.